All right. We are back for another episode and another new person on the podcast. This week, uh, I don't even know what he wants to be called because this ain't a real name that you've given me. Young? Your name is Young? It is. It is indeed. Why did... I mean, we should be talking about boxing, but we have to discuss why your name is Young. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I'm, I'm Tweed, uh, Tweed Box Ganja. For oh, yeah. The guy who wrote the, the song and talked a lot of trash about me <laughs> um yeah my my real name is young like a birth certificate and everything i am white i'm very white um oh thank you we were, yeah we that that was one of the things that we were gonna go over <laughs> i had it written down is he white yeah. we couldn't guess <laughs> well a lot of people when when they hear that my name's young they're like oh this guy's asian and then uh i walk into the room and well, it's Y O U N G though, not Y U N G. That's true. That's true. Um, parents, I, I'm uh, my parents' first kid, you know, firstborn, and they wanted uh, to they name me something unique. They made unique. their mistakes all at the beginning. Exactly. They were like, you know, let's just botch it right now and pick it up later. They they wanted to name their kid uh, something unique. Um, they didn't want a run of the mill name, and uh, after some. Some clearly odd deliberation. They they came up with young, and that's it. My sisters have pretty normal names, so I just got screwed. Don't mention you have sisters, but um, wipe your tears, <laughs> okay? That that was that was heart wrenching. Uh, and let's get into this boxing uh, again. If you don't know, this is the guy that wrote the song, okay? And I I subscribe to the notion of keep your enemies close. So I've got him on now. If he likes it, maybe he won't diss me again. I don't know. This guy can't tell. We'll we'll see by the end. So we listen. This is just a preview podcast. We're gonna talk about the fights that we've got coming up, and it's I know it's Friday, so maybe you can do what I do, and you know I watch twenty four seven all access after the fight because it's funnier that way when you hear guys talk so confidently about the way they think a fight will go, or actually I'll I'll listen to other sports podcasts after the fact and then they become funny so we're going to talk about the fights this weekend now we could start with the fidel maldonado versus ismail barroso card that's going to be on espn tonight but we're not that dumb we're going to start tomorrow (laughs) so we've got george groves facing jamie cox a british murderer or i mean at least that's what eddie hearn said um jamie cox this is World Boxing Super Series, 168-pound uh, tournament. George Groves, the number one seed. Can George Groves advance with the stoppage win? Because that's what we're discussing, aren't we? Whether George Groves can stop him. Um, what do you think? I think, uh, I, uh, to be honest, I'm not too familiar with Jamie Cox, but um, I think Groves Groves got this. Um, well, I don't you know, think he's just... anybody's very familiar with Jamie Cox. <laughs> yeah fair enough um no i mean george is a hell of a fighter like uh got his jaw broke last fight kept swinging and ended up getting the stoppage um i'd have to assume chudinov that's who he fought right chudinov last time out george groves yeah 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 um i'd have to think uh chudinov is better than cox considering i've actually heard of chudinov so i don't know i think groves can do it well which chudinov Fedor. Mm, nice, nice, nicely done. Because there are two, if you don't know. There are two Chudinovs. Um, here's the thing about this fight, okay? Jamie Cox has done nothing. 
And in his fights where he's fought guys that you could make a, a very, very weak case for the opponent being reputable, he didn't even do that well. I mean, his, his best fight to date was his fight with Lewis Taylor. That was earlier this year. And the guy didn't even win every round. Like, you're fighting a guy with 19 wins and three losses. That's the kind of guy that if you're a young, up-and-coming prospect, well, he's actually not young. He's 31. But if you're a guy who's on your way to a world title, at least a shot, you have to do something more with a guy like that. You cannot go in there and be saved by the ring doctor. That's just not going to work. And I know Cox has been hyped up because they got to sell this fight somehow. But George Groves, um, if you look at his losses, what, what, who have those losses come to? Two to Carl Froch and one to Badu Jack. Who, how would you classify those guys? You would classify those guys as amongst the best in their division. I mean, at the time, at 168, who was better than Carl Froch? No, Gennady Golovkin doesn't count. He wasn't even at 168. I know what you were thinking. And then Badu Jack, you know, Badu Jack just beat up George Groves. George Groves stands no chance against a guy like Jack. Um, George Groves is an outside fighter who likes to, to snipe on the, on the outside and come in. He ain't ever going to do it against a guy like Badu Jack. But Jamie Cox, the question is, will he get stopped here? Do you think he'll get stopped? Um, yeah, I'm going to say yeah. Wow, that's confident. Bet all I, I, I don't feel very confident, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a big uh, George fan. What the guy definitely what? has power. How? Jo- How are Ryan, you a George Ghost fan? Because he's awesome. <laughs> he, he seems like a really nice dude. The two fights with Frotch are incredible, incredible fights. Those made me a big fan. In which he lost. Yeah, but, <laughs> but like. Yo, for the uh, the first half of the first fight, he was whooping Frotch. It was unbelievable. It made me such a fan. And then, um, you know, hey, losses aren't everything, like you guys are always trying to say. They are, um, but um, I don't know. I he, I think he's a solid fighter. Um, like I said before, he he broke his jaw in his last fight and kept kept swinging, and he won by stoppage. That just shows a hell of a heart. Um, decent chin i guess and i don't know i think he can pull it off okay should we also say that chudinov was coming off of a loss to felix Sturm, heading into the fight with george groves i mean do we want to say that chudinov also had a fight with frank bullioni that went the distance like how good was true enough <laughs> like you're putting a lot of stock in this fight now I, i'm only no, saying no, this no, because I, d- I disagree with you that george groves is this great fighter i don't i don't mean to put a bunch of stock in Chudinov. it's it's more so that i i don't know to me like dude he broke his jaw like if you can keep fighting with a broken jaw like my hat's off to you regardless of uh okay can you th- what fighters can't fight with a broken jaw i mean the list is pretty I, short I don't it's, know, dude. it's i feel it's like victor he- ortiz and that's it Everyone else who gets a broken jaw keeps fighting. Oh, except Jazza Dickens as well. I I guess, man. I don't know. I'm not a pro boxer. I just feel like if you broke my jaw right now and then, and then kept punching me, I don't know. That's hardly so, uh, an apples to apples comparison. Like <laughs> you just said it. I'm not a pro boxer. Yeah, then shut up. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. 
George, George Grove sucks, you guys. <laughs> see, this is a test to see if I could bully you into opinions, and I think I can. This is not good. You need to stand up for yourself. <laughs> well, yeah, sure. I mean, I get, I get your. I just, I, I was, I was more wondering, like, what, what do you like about George Groves? I mean, he came off as completely unlikable and unstable during the Frotch fights. I mean, I don't know. Uh, you're looking for a good answer, and I don't have one. <laughs> I'll tell you that right off the bat. I do not have a good answer as to uh, why I like George Groves so much. I think it was just like. I don't know. People thought uh, Frotch was going to stomp him, and it was looking the other way for a while. And then, I don't know, I like how he shows up in a suit for like every <laughs> every uh, presser or interview. He seems like a nice guy. Um, I, follow him on, I follow him on Instagram, post nice pictures of his dog. I don't know. He seems like a normal, down-to-earth guy. All right, we'll have to leave it there, and we'll we'll come back to your your love of George Groves. We'll see if there's <laughs> actually like a trend that's that's forming here. But let's move on. Later that night at four thirty p.m. Pacific time from the StubHub Center, we will get Leo Santa Cruz against the dangerous four times or no, he's only been beaten like five times actually. Uh, Chris Avalos in a complete mismatch, but this is a build-up tune-up fight. Because we're expected to see Leo Santa Cruz win and face Abner Mares next year. Um, what have you seen of Avalos? How many rounds do you think this goes? Uh, four. Four. Okay. I disagree with that. I actually, that was a little trick question. Unless Avalos is like, like gone further than even I can imagine. But my guess is that Santa Cruz isn't a big puncher, and it takes him a while to put guys away. And I think Avalos is going to stay stay around for at, at least until the past the second half of the fight before he gets worn out. Um, but either way, Leo Santa Cruz should have no trouble. I mean, Santa Cruz over the past year has went from being uh, a guy who was protected and got exposed on a on a big stage by Carl Frampton into one of the probably the best fighters in the world. I mean. You could make an argument that Santa Cruz is amongst the top 10 in the sport. Where do you put him? Um, I honestly put him either at 10, 10 uh, pound for pound, or just like uh, 11 or 12. Um, I was never a big uh, Carl Frampton believer, honestly. Um, when, it, when it seemed like everyone else really ranked him high. Um, but obviously he's a very good, very good uh, boxer in the fact that... Uh, Santa Cruz could could so outbox him in the second thing. Uh, yeah, I put him around ten. Yeah, and Avalos is just not he's not close. I mean, Avalos got losses <laughs> to Frampton. He's got losses to Valdez. Um, I can't even remember who else has beat Chris Avalos, but the the list is lengthy at five for a guy who at one time was seen to have um, a bit of a future in the sport. I guess is how we'll put it. I mean, he wasn't seen as like. Um, like he definitely wasn't seen as like a, a top tier prospect, but there was a point in time where Oblos was seen as someone who on the come up, you know, somebody to keep your eye on. And then he took a few losses and those few turned into five. And then on the undercard, uh, who was the first person to beat him? Chris Martin. I remember that. I think that was on Showbox. Was it on Showbox? Like we're just going to, yep, it was. I knew it. 
Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, let's see. Leo Santa Cruz will headline and on the undercard. And shout out to PBC and Fox for running a ton of commercials for this uh, card during the MLB playoffs. That if you've been watching on FS1, um, we've had great games, by the way. But we will talk about, I guess, Abner Mars fighting Andres Gutierrez, who's 35-1-1. and That one loss came to Christian Mijares, and it was a really close majority decision fight. Um, Mars got a tough fight here. I mean, I don't think people realize how tough this fight is. They just think that, oh, they're just setting up Mars versus uh, Santa Cruz for next year. But this isn't a guarantee for Mars whatsoever. I kind of had that impression. Um that it was a setup fight, so educate me, I suppose. Uh, well, I think Gutierrez brings an interesting combination to this fight. So, one, he's going to be bigger than Morris. Um, two, he's never been stopped before. Never, like he's, he's got a decision loss on his record, but like he's never really been. Um, I don't want to say hurt, but like. He's a guy that's going to come in fighting with the kind of confidence that you only get when basically you know dudes can't hurt you. So I think this is going to be a really tough fight for Mars. Um, the only thing that might, and I don't even think it will, but that could possibly get in the way here is that Gutierrez's weight has been all over the place over the past several years. Like he's fought everywhere from 122 to 130 almost like switching every year which division he wants to fight in. So he fought at 123 in his last fight, 123.5, and now he's going to fight at 126. And he weighed in um, at the limit. Um, I could look at some pictures, but like I'm not that prepared. Uh, so I, I just think that um, Mares, he's getting older. He's 31. He has a tendency sometimes to look pretty bad. I mean, if you look at his last two fights with Santa Cruz and Cuellar, they were tough fights for him. So I think if he wins, he's really going to have to earn this. I see Mares probably getting a close 12-round decision. I'm looking up uh, pictures of the weigh-in right now. Yeah, you, you like that, huh? Yeah, shirtless man. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> wow, that was, that was the, the reaction I wasn't ready for, but expected. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think Mares will take it. Well... Uh, I mean, obviously, I, it would be really interesting if Mares doesn't win. Um, <laughs> you know, what's funny is that Gutierrez is listed as having a height advantage. But when you see these guys standing right next to each other, unless Gutierrez is like leaning forward, trying to kiss him, uh, Mares looks <laughs> like the same size. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Later that night, we have the card like this is the best card of the night. This is the best card possibly of the month. Um, let me just take a look real quick. Uh, Eubank, Selby next week, Warrington, that's trash. Uh, Gassiev next week, trash. Or I mean, that's okay, but not competitive. The HBO card, Jezreel Corrales, Alberto Machado, that's trash. Um, and then, oh, well, I don't know what's on the Joshua. other card right now. But Joshua, Joshua, yeah, that's a decent card, but this one takes it. I mean, you have three pretty competitive fights, okay? So we'll start with the undercard. Jarrett Hurd defending his IBF title against Austin Shrout. Where are you leaning on this one? This one, I think a lot of people are split. Um, I'm leaning Trout. I, I too feel split. I'm leaning Trout just because uh, 
he's got the better experience. Um, you know, he's held his own against very good fighters like, like Canelo. Um, but I really like Hurd. I like, uh, he's a nice young guy. Uh, I like how you left off Canelo. That's a dis- <laughs> disrespectful. Yeah. No. Um, no, I, I think Hurd, Hurd could totally, totally do it. But, uh, I think Trout's too slippery. Uh, he's got the better fundamentals. I think he'll pull through, and a better gas tank. I would say. From from what I can tell from her, and I and I lean towards towards your um your take. Okay, I lean towards there. Um, and why I think that is because I think Hurd, he's too patient. He's he always waits for a certain shot. Usually that uppercut. And he's patient, and as time goes by, he loses rounds. And I think Trout's smart enough to avoid that trap that other guys have not been able to avoid and basically score points and win a decision. I think this is, if if, any, if there's any chance for an upset, um, it's going to be in this fight, I think. And um, I, I, I'm not sure who I'm picking to win. I think Trout has a really good shot at winning. But I also think that if if Hurd could get to him early, it could change the dynamic of the fight. Yeah, I I, I don't see him getting to him early though. I think Trout would really have to have slipped for uh, Hurd to be able to pull something out like that. You know, uh, if if Trout like half aged overnight, you know, because obviously he's not super old, but I don't know if he aged overnight, then I could see Hurd kind of getting to him early. But besides that, I don't see it. Well, Trout isn't young. Yeah. What is he like? Thirty-four now. Uh, that that sounds right. Thirty-three, thirty-four. I mean, he's oh, thirty-two. I mean, the the thing with <laughs> Trout is that um, he's got some he he's got a lot of miles. I think. Um, yep. He's been definitely. down several times in his fights. I mean, he he had a stretch where he was down in three straight fights. Um, he had a really tough fight with Jamal Charlo. He, the the fight with Lar like these are these are fights that really wear on a guy. And Trout has looked like like you could see the miles. Yeah, and I think Hurd might be catching him at the right time. But I don't know. There's just something I don't trust about Hurd. I I know that he's got a lot of fanfare about him, and the knockouts they knockouts really hurt when well. I would say they don't hurt, they, they they don't hurt the fighter. They help in that you get popular when you knock guys out. But I think you fool fans sometimes when you knock a lot of dudes out because a lot of people don't really look past the knockout. You don't see oh how was that set up? Sometimes a guy just happens to land that shot in a combination or catches a guy cold or something. Um, and it's not like you can't like there's some guys that knock guys out and it's like wow he he sets this up every single fight like you look at Spence he breaks his opponents down you look at Golovkin breaks opponents down so f- that could look for some guys like oh he just knocks everyone out but there's a lot of work that goes in to make those power shots land that have the effect and I don't think Trout does or not Trout I don't think Hurd does that and I think there's a balance there where Hurd won't be able to find the openings because Trout is too good. And if Trout isn't good enough, well, then we'll see her probably win. But um, either way, this should be a, a good fight. I don't think it's going to be like entertaining, but like, you know, like fight of the year kind of entertaining. But I think it's going to be a chess match kind of entertaining. Yeah. I think uh, I think Trout will work him to UD or uh, 
very slight chance that uh, it's just like a replay of Hurd's last fight with Tony Harrison. Trout will be working him the whole time, and then like ninth round, Hurd somehow uh, lands two rights, oh. and it's over. But the I in, in my opinion, that's kind of a uh, not a bad example, but I don't I don't see it happening because unless Trout would have to be severely faded. Because Harrison just ran out of gas and took a nosedive in that fight. <laughs> he had like three yeah. rounds of like, wow, this guy, he's overcome his loss. And then, wow, this is another fighter now. Um, and the momentum was always with Harrison, or sorry, not Harrison, Heard in that fight, even when he wasn't, um, uh, even when he wasn't winning rounds. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. Okay. I don't agree with that. But. Okay. Are your feelings hurt? No. Okay. Just just making sure. <laughs> the way you said that, I thought maybe your feelings might have been hurt. No. No, All I'm right. not crying yet. <laughs> hey, quick quick question for you about Trout, though. Um, yep. Today, I, th- I think it was in the Slack earlier today, people were uh, saying that uh, Trout had a glass glass uh, chin, and I don't, I don't agree with that, but I wanted to hear your take on it. I don't think he has a glass chin. I think Trout can be dropped, but who's stopped Trout? Who's gotten Trout close to that point of stopping him? Nobody. Now, if Canelo hits you, you're going to go down. That's a big puncher. Uh, same with, um, who else dropped him? Laura, I think he dropped him. Laura lands such clean punches. It's so easy to see how Laura can drop a guy. So the one fight where you could look at Trout... Um, you know, really ding him for having a weak chin was in the fight with Daniel Dawson. And I think he's coming off of the two biggest fights of his career or the three biggest fights of his career. One, two, uh, one, one out of, out of the three. I think that was just kind of like trout taking such a step down in competition that he overlooked the opposition in Daniel Dawson and got, and paid for it. But if you take out those rounds, like trout won everything else. So I don't think he's got a, a weak chin. He's one of those guys that like Marquez, you could drop Marquez, but you're not going to stop him. Trout has the wherewithal and the and the the the, the boxing IQ to know that sometimes you got to take a you got to take a knockdown. But the benefit is that you will last the distance and you could still win the fight. So I don't really agree with that, and I don't think that's a fair assessment to make of him. I think a glass chin kind of guy is a guy that has been stopped numerous times. So. I, I don't really dis- uh, agree with that. I mean, you can call him that, but he's just basically saying you're ignorant. Uh, let's see. Let's move on to the next fight. We have Jermel Charlo defending the WBC 154-pound title against perhaps. I think at this point, if we were to to um, list the top prospects in boxing, I think Erickson Lubin would be number one. Like, if you disagree, uh, reply and let us know. But I really can't see a prospect that's better than Lubin right now. Like, I, I, I would, I'll, I'll really think about it afterwards, and maybe I'll, I'll change my mind about that. And win or lose, I think at this point right now, Lubin's number one. So w- what's your prediction for this fight? Because this is the, the fight that I think is the toughest one to call. Yeah, um, this is the one I'm looking forward to the most this weekend. Uh, my brain tells me... Charlo is going to win possibly by knockout uh, late in the fight, but most likely a UD. I, I think Charlo will win. That's what my brain tells me. My heart desperately wants Lubin to win. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of like the, the underdog stories. I know it's 50-50 for this fight, but you know, the young kid, everyone's saying, dude, you, you shouldn't have taken this fight yet. 
shouldn't have taken this fight yet. You know, I want to see uh, I want to see Lubin step up and uh, knock out Charlo. I th- I think it's possible late, maybe maybe seven to eleven rounds uh, somewhere in there. But I don't know. I I'm prepared for uh, Charlo to win, possibly by knockout. Do you have? Do you think that maybe Lubin just he doesn't even look like he's ready for this fight? Like he still looks like a 22 year old kid. <laughs> I mean, he definitely does. He looks very young, um, but I don't know. He there's a certain maturity to to the way he fights in the ring. I see at least um, that you know. I don't know. I, I I think he really could do it. I really think he could uh, stop Charlo. I think the the Charlos are a little cocky. I like the Charlos, but um, they seem like little a little cocky, you know. Oh, um, you like your fighters humble, don't you? Uh, <laughs> I uh, I like them more humble than uh, more cocky, but um, I don't know. I I could see I could see the Charlo getting stopped, but. I don't know. Well, from what you said, you've actually said that you can see both guys getting stopped. Yeah. No, I, I definitely can. Um, I think, I think Charlo would, he would uh, beat up, beat up Lubin. You know, it would be a an accumulation of punches. I think if Lubin was going to stop Charlo, it's like one or two clean punches Charlo never saw, and I think he's capable of that. You know, I think down down the stretch. Um. I think Lubin could could land a hammer, a nice hammer, but I don't know. Okay. Like I said, I my heart really wants Lubin to win, but I'm prepared for a, a Charlo win. That's what um, my brain tells me. I'm pretty sure that I've seen every single one of um, Erickson Lubin's fights, and there's a there's a narrative. And I'll get back to this the the you know this actual fight that we're talking about. Um, I'll get back to that in a second, but. Um, I think there's a narrative that a lot of people are forgetting. And that is that, um, you know, early in Lubin's career, his first three fights, three knockouts, first round, as you should. Um, but after his, I think it was his fifth fight, there were, um, there was this growing concern about uh, Lubin that he actually wasn't going to reach his potential. There were a lot of holes in his game. Uh, he seemed like a guy who wasn't really able to set up knockouts and stoppages and that if he do, if he wasn't able to blitz through a guy that he would struggle and um so i i'm i've never seen lubin as that guy and and i and i know what his flaws are and it's that he's there there is definitely something to be desired in his ability to set up a knockout um now i think he's developed it over time and so if we come back to the present and we look at what he's done, you know, his last three opponents, it's in a, there's a record. The last three opponents, the combined record, 68-3, and three, which is pretty good. Um, but he's fighting these guys who are tailor-made to impress you. Definitely. They're, they're guys that come in and they fought exclusively, almost exclusively in one place, like the Dominican Republic in Mexico. And... Um, they're, they come in with these records because they've learned how to beat the guys around their area, but the competition there isn't that good. You know, if you add up the records, it'd either be a pretty low amount or you'd have maybe more losses than wins. So that that's all that is said to say that there's a lot to be concerned about if, you're, if you want Lubin to win. 
because he's now going to fight a guy who, while he hasn't fought the best opposition to date, you, you you know that's you can safely say that Jermel Charlo has not fought the best opposition at 154, but he's fought the guys who have faced really good fighters who know how to fight. Like Gabe Rosado knows how to fight. Vanis Martirosian, <laughs> he knows how to fight. Those are guys that have they they've beaten the guys that they have beaten the guys that Lubin has beaten. John Jackson's beaten those guys. So is Charles Hatley. Those guys that Erickson Lubin's record is built on, those guys have all taken losses to these kind of guys. So experience-wise, what Charlo is able to do far outweighs what Lubin is able to do. Now, why does Lubin seem to have a chance? I think it's the thing we were talking about earlier where there are knockouts. And knockouts seem to get people to forget that there are other things in a fight that you need to have to be successful. Now, on a, on a personal level, do I think Lubin could win? I think so. But I'm going to strip away the power for a second, okay? I don't think either guy is going to come in and just knock the other guy out. At least that's not what I'm willing to consider because um, that doesn't frequently happen. Like, when do you see top guys like this come together and then just the power is the big difference? Like Jacobs Quillen was the last time. Uh, so I think uh, when you strip that away, then it becomes a question of who's the better boxer. And prior to uh, the Jackson fight, you would have said Charlo. Charlo's the better boxer. But this guy barely scraped by Martirosian, or actually that was a little before the Jackson fight, but in the Jackson fight, he was behind on everyone's card. And I think that Charles de- developed himself more into a puncher, which is true, but he's forgotten a lot about boxing and scoring points and winning rounds. And I think that's where Lubin has to capitalize. Lubin's been able to win rounds, but he's also winning rounds because he's scaring guys into their, into their guard and just pile or pummeling them. So I think it's going to be imperative for Lubin to find a way to um, keep Charlo waiting to land something and score points. And at some point, he'll find his own way to hurt Charlo and maybe um, get respect further to the point where he can just basically coast in the fight. But I don't really, I don't know. I can't I can't tell which one is going to happen. If you ask me to predict, I'm, I'm going to say Charlo's going to win a decision. Yep, yep. I want Lubin to win so bad, though. I want him to do it. I want him to catch Charlo clean and just put him away. Why do you like Lubin so much? Um, honestly, like his knockout reels have been uh have been <laughs> been pretty sweet, and I and I like that he's a he's a young kid, you know, stepping up, stepping up to the plate. Um, and I it's like 22. that story. I like that. What's yeah, his story? Like... For those that don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh my god! Did you, did you, just you, you better make one up now. Uh, I can't. Um. Yeah, I got nothing for you. I Wait don't know. a second. So you, you've been talking about Lubin's story this whole time, but you actually don't know what his story is. No, 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 no. Sorry. I just mean that. Um. All I meant was, I, I like the uh, the idea, the the narrative that. He's the younger guy coming up, um, stepping up to the plate. This is definitely his, his hardest fight thus far. I don't know if you could say 
that's the same for for Charlo. Would you? Do you think this is Charlo's hardest fight? Um, I think I don't know because on paper the Martirosian fight seemed very difficult for Charlo, like just a bad style matchup. And um, I think this I I don't know this is a dangerous fight for him because. He could get caught trying to box on the outside by a guy who's going to look to land from the outside. So this is, yeah, that's a really interesting fight. I, I think, and this is why this the 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 line is so um, close in this one. I mean, Charlo's favored by a hair. It's minus one thirty. So that tells you everything you need to know about this fight. It's a fantastic fight. I mean, the line is low in the in the herd fight as well, but at least herd you could say, yeah, that's a clear favorite. Here you can't really say Charlo's the clear favorite. Um, and a lot of people are going to look dumb on Sunday or Saturday night after the fight ends, but you got to remember the odds are super close in this fight. And this is, and and I hope that this fight delivers. It should be a tense fight throughout. (laughs) You know, Um, I did, when you said that, I I realized I never even thought like, what if this is a snooze fest? That that wasn't even an option in my brain for this fight. I think it's, it's not Look, this whole card will not be as entertaining as people are making it out to be. It's not going to be the 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 superfly card. These guys Super don't fly. fight that way. These are guys that they like. If you look in every fight, Jermel looks looks to box. He's patient. Austin Trout's a, a, a pure counterpuncher. Arizona Dilara, a pure counterpuncher. When have these guys ever been in seriously entertaining fights? Lara was in a, an entertaining fight when he fought Angulo, and that's it. Terrell Gachet. Not an entertaining fighter. Not really. Jared Hurd, too patient, I think. I don't think he's been in any like fights that people walked away and were like, wow, that was a great fight. Mostly it's, wow, that was one-sided. Erickson Lubin can do it, but I don't think Charlo's going to gonna, gonna um, let him do it. So uh, you, what does your brain tell you? Are you mocking me? No, I'm asking you a question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, I used that phrase a couple times earlier, so I wasn't sure if you were uh, making fun of me. My brain tells me, uh, Charlo, UD, easy, but. Okay, well, that's, see, that's the thing. Whenever I, whenever there's fights, once a fight gets signed, like Kodo Saddam Ali, uh, which is trash. Um, <laughs> oh, like, come on. Really? Kodo versus, we, we, were, we went from Kodo versus David Lemieux Kodo versus I want the winner of Golovkin Canelo, and we get Saddam Ali. <laughs> yeah, it's seriously it's pretty bleak. Seriously, like that—that that, Jesus. But I strip away um, when the first. Well, no, when the first fight first gets signed, I just kind of think of like, all right, who do I who do I got in this one? Mm-hmm. Not what I think, or not. I mean, sorry, not not what I feel. It's like who's probably gonna win this fight. Oh, that's a Kodo clear decision. I'm probably stopping him. Yeah, and I'm not changing it. Don't watch any videos, nothing like that, because videos only serve to basically change your mind. Because all videos are positioned from the perspective of 50-50 by this. It's, you must watch this. Anybody could win. Anybody could lose. So when a lot of times, like if you look at the commercial for the Santa Cruz-Avalos fight, you'd think that this was going to be a war with each guy getting as good as they give. I don't really think that that's the case. Anyway, Arizlandi Lara will face Terrell Gachet in the main event. And, you know, my question is, how the hell did Lara become the main event? Yeah, yeah, right. Who tunes in to see Arizlandi Lara fight? Seriously. 
like Lubin Charlo as the main event would probably be would probably do just as good ratings wise, if not better. But now, because totally. like when people hear a lot of boxing fans, they hear Laura and they're like, "Oh, geez, I know what's going to happen there." And yeah, t- and you, you <laughs> have him fighting a guy that nobody knows. So it's like, oh, I don't, I've never heard of this guy, so he must suck. And that's a problem in boxing. If you ever like um, really thought about fans, what people too many fans equate popularity with skill, and so a guy like Gache never heard of him, he must suck. And uh, the question is now. Does he? <laughs> so you do you have a take on this fight? Uh, man, like there was any other uh, outcome, Lara, via boring UD. Uh, let's like, see. I don't know. I I want to believe. Cue the X Files music. I want to believe it'll be a solid fight, but no. Lara, Lara outworks him the whole whole fight and then it ends and you're like yep par for the course how many meters ran do you think laura <laughs> will do Whew. man um i don't know i i don't know i'm not good with meters inches <laughs> not good yeah. with inches either yeah. inches uh much more my scale working with uh roy jones picks um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's Half a foot. Mile. That's One a mile. foot. Yeah, that's a foot. Yeah, inches. What am I talking about? Yeah, we're talking feet, yardstick. Um, uh, okay. Well, uh, like you, I want to believe that Gache could win, and I think Gache winning would be better for the division because as long as Laura holds the title, we're not going to see him fight Charlo. So no unification there. Assuming that Charlo wins, if he doesn't, then that wouldn't be a fight we want to see anyway. Um, but Gache is actually an entertaining fighter. Like he's going to try to box from the outside, but Gache is willing to mix it up. And I've seen him in slugfest. So that alone tells you that if Gache wins, it's better for you as the viewer, unless you really get off on seeing Arizona Laura fight. And as much as I like seeing Laura fight, like, you know, after a while, I'm like, okay, um, like this is, this is too much. Like that Austin Trout fight, Laura, Austin Trout. Oh boy, Laura versus Ishe Smith. Wow, like I'm gonna remember that to the day I die. So, <laughs> um, but I I think this is the fight that's you know of next to the Santa Cruz fight, the one that's like guaranteed Laura decision. Um, unless Gache comes in, can basically rush through his defense and and make Laura um, fight in a way that he's never had to fight before. I don't see it. I don't think Gache is a big puncher either, which is kind of a problem if you're not you're fighting Laura. Like you need to be able to punch or do something, and he can't do either. So <laughs> uh, those are the fights yeah. this weekend. And uh, now we can move on to some other things. Like we could talk about Miguel Cotto again. <laughs> Man, I was so disappointed to see this Adamali. Like. You, you always knew you you always knew that it was never going to be a good fight or like a really good one, but um, you know you had to believe you had to believe, and it was like maybe Lemieux, yeah, just maybe. I never believed winner Triple G, and then then we got Ollie, and it's like oh, yeah, right. This is this is what it's like to be a boxing fan. Well, perpetually uh, disappointed. Here's That's what not you true. don't do. Okay, you got to do this the other way around. You have to. Pr- 
look, you have to talk about fighting somebody that nobody wants to see you fight. So you start with Assad Ali, and you end with somebody that's like, oh, yeah, oh, well, you know, compared to Assad Ali, that's not bad. I'll actually take that fight, you know? Um, or you start with the we tried negotiating trick that Aram is so popular for, and we couldn't get him. So now we're going to have to go with Saddam Ali because basically we ran out of options. We tried Golovkin and Canelo, but both of them are both too scared to to get back in the ring so quick after you know they both lost. So um, now we have to fight Saddam Ali. Like That would have worked. But instead, they just went straight for, yeah, Saddam Ali. That was the target all along. <laughs> so um but i guess what do you expect miguel Cotto's basically done with boxing he wants to go out on a win um i mean they couldn't have jesus i don't, I don't know they couldn't i, I mean well, i'm trying wait. to think of who could they have brought in but like miguel Cotto is basically bring, like what about victor ortiz <laughs> yo that would be crazy seriously oh, man that would have been such a good fight to go out on that would have been seriously. so fun Victor Ortiz should have been the, the opponent. He can make 154. He can make 155. That's a big guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Cotto, man. You want to make some money? Name. Cotto could bring back the left hook, might even break Ortiz's Ooh! jaw. Ooh, puppy. But instead, we're going to get Saddam Ali, a guy who Jesse Vargas, with his four knockouts, stopped. Yo, fuck Jesse Vargas. <laughs> <laughs> it's not typically how we do it on the podcast, but okay, we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but Jesse Vargas is going to fight Keith Thurman most likely. Yeah, that's. I guess that's fine. I guess like I don't love it, but I don't actively dread it or hate it. So I I don't mind it too much because Jesse Vargas or sorry not Jesse Vargas but um, Keith Thurman is coming off of that pretty bad elbow injury, and he's going to need a tune-up fight before they feed him dispense. <laughs> So um, I think it'd be best if he did take a tuna fight. And, and and Jesse Vargas, for the record, is not a bad fighter. I mean, he lost to Manny Pacquiao, but like, so did Timothy Bradley. Tim, hey. Oh, am I, am I not, we fly him in. Am We're I not helping in. my argument here? Yeah, um, no. But let's see. Is there any other big news that we got to talk about? Um Let's see. Uh, can you think of anything that we should probably talk about before we go? Um, I mean, does anybody care that they're doing another super flyweight uh, triple header in LA next year? Does anybody care no. about Tevin Farmer getting a fight on HBO? Does anybody care <laughs> about uh, that fight that they're doing on HBO um, is going to be counter-programming the Rigondeau-Lomachenko fight? And I swear... Um, I would actually rather watch the HBO card than the Lomachenko Rigondeau one because, you know, just like we're joking about Jesse Vargas versus uh, Miguel Cotto, I don't really think that uh, fights between guys that are that are two weight classes apart are entertaining, interesting, or anything like that. Yeah, I don't know. For me, it's like a like a, a candy bar or something, or really rich food. You know, like I can have it every once in a while. It's it's like fun very once in a while, but yeah, you can't. What are you Can't talking have... about? You you didn't even provide any context, like. Oh no! Like a uh, big miss mismatch, bleh, big mismatches, you know, between uh, the weight divisions, like. Like you Kellen, and Roy. Uh, Ke- me and Roy, yeah, <laughs> me and Roy. 
we could talk about Jim Lampley signing a multi-year extension with HBO. I mean, he's only 68 years old. Yeah, I am not a Lampley fan. Why? I appreciate him. I, I, because I don't know. I feel like the guy's always like doing the right thing at the wrong time. I don't know. Like the guy has great emotion. Great. Like get sappy at points where you're like, dude, just like tighten it up for a second, buddy. You know, like lock it up. And then like, I don't know, like he's, he's great at calling fights and like seeing things. But then like, yeah, you get like memes of him, like nice, uh, nice right hand there. And it's like clearly a left hook. I don't know. Like I respect him. He's been in the game for a while. Um, but I was, I was bummed to see that he got his contract extended. The, the thing about him is that he's been a part of boxing for so long that he's just kind of been associated with the voice of boxing. So whether he's yeah. good or not, deserves it or not, and I think to an extent he deserved it at some point, but at this point I'm not the biggest fan of Lampley. And it's not even because he messes up calls. Because listen, I get it. When you're calling yeah. a fight ringside, like, you know, six things are happening at once and you're trying to say at least one of them. So, and he's getting old again, 68 years old. I like, you know, I, I think that at, they used to have Bob Papa and I was never a fan of him, but I think <laughs> at some point they need to start bringing in a younger person to um, do, um, what do you call it? Commentary, the play by play and get a new yeah. voice in there. And certainly not Ray Flores. Um, he cannot <laughs> do it. Um. And uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know what? anybody who who you know. I actually think Ernie Johnson um, from um, he's with TBS. He was with Turner Turner Sports. I think Ernie Johnson would be great on, as a boxing uh, commentator. You know, I uh, I actually really liked Andre Ward's couple recent uh, commentaries with okay, HBO. Well, we're talking about play by play. That's very different. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, we could enough. try him at play-by-play, but it would be a, a big, like, waste of his yeah, knowledge. Yeah, no, you're right. Scratch that, scratch that. <laughs> I shouldn't have brought that up. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think you might be right. Ernie Johnson, he, I think he'd be a, a, a good candidate. He's got, like, six kids. He's got to work, support those kids. <laughs> um, I, I, I really think Ernie Johnson would be great at boxing because um, the guy doesn't take himself too seriously. He's he's got a good voice. He's 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 just got a great personality. I, do you you don't watch the NBA, so you probably don't know who Ernie Johnson is. I have no idea. I'm googling him right now. He's got glasses. Hey, like me. Four eyes. Oh, this guy's goofy. <laughs> yeah, man, get him in here. Well, I mean, have you seen Lampley? Yeah, but like this guy, this guy kind of looks like a corpse. This guy looks like uh, yeah. a corpse in his suit, man. I, I can get that. I can get that. I can get that. You would think that he looks like a corpse. Um, but like he kind of looks like he, like he's in a in a skeleton Halloween costume. <laughs> yeah, dude. The but, skeleton of like an old nerdy professor. Bill Nye's skeleton or something. Uh, so he's got a little more fat on him than Bill Nye. Bill Nye needs to eat a little more. Well, that's not all Bill needs to do. I, I don't know what you're getting at. <laughs> But um, Dude, his new show sucked nuts, man. I didn't even try and watch it. Yeah, I'm not watching no no show about Bill Nye. <laughs> uh, 
All right. Well, before uh, I, well, I guess we're done with everything. So I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank uh, Young for coming on, and uh, thank his parents for uh, uh, having a real laugh when they named him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every day, every day. And we're actually going to be back with two podcasts very soon. One, the recap episode, the normal episode that we do on the weekly where we can talk about Earl Spence fighting Lamont Peterson and much, much more, like all the opponents that they passed on for Miguel Cotto. And uh, then we're going to do a mailbag episode. So we're going to get the link up. We're going to put it on Twitter. We're going to share it. And you will have an opportunity to ask some questions for us to um, do the mailbag. And nothing is off limits. Uh, not, nothing. We'll ask every question that you ask unless it's like, you know, seriously racist or uh, crossing many, many lines that we should probably not be crossing. But otherwise, we'll, ans- we'll answer all questions. Um, so... I want to thank you guys for listening. Leave us uh, ratings or reviews or both. And uh, we will be back in a couple of days. This what I really be smoking. And I really be drinking. This what I really be smoking. And I really be drinking. This what I really be smoking. And I really be drinking. I be going through some things. You don't know what I be thinking. This what I really be smoking. And I really be drinking. This what I really be smoking. And I really be drinking. This what I really be smoking. And